Hello and welcome to Casting Nets Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Will Harley, and I am sitting here in my office on a beautiful sunny day as the weather has now decided to creep itself back up into to actual livable temperatures. Um, I am joined here with the bald, the beautiful, and always a good conversationalist, Don Winsberger, who is uh, one of the other co-creators of our podcast. And Don, I think it is about time we've had this intro music here for for uh, quite some time. I think we're we're on the hunt for something new, um, and and I think both of you, uh, both you and I, we prefer something a little bit more heavy and a little bit more rock and rollish. And so we're um, both by copyright laws. Otherwise, I would really recommend Ozzy Osbourne's Crazy Train. Crazy Train but, would be amazing. Highway yeah. to Hell would probably be more apt. Yep. Yep. Um, yes, yes. Um, but ACDC has has really good copyright lawyers, and um, I don't. So. I have I have met Brian Johnson one time. That's a whole story in itself. Um, I don't think he would remember. Although I got a feeling he would remember me because he got a kick when I told uh, when I told him I was a Lutheran pastor and one of his biggest fans. Well, there so you go. So he remember me. Maybe you're the only Lutheran pastor he has met that is is a fan of his. Um, yes. Well, so dear listeners, don't be surprised if at one point you tune in and you're like, "Wow, there is weird music playing," and that's because we'll have a different intro song, and and that'll be all right as well. Today we are uh, we're continuing our look at the Book of Daniel. This has been a rewarding study for me, and and I'm pretty sure it's been one for you too, Don. As as um, we are dealing with just a bunch of junk. Right, just a bunch of junk in the world today, and um, I was getting so upset at one point, and and I know you were getting so upset at one point that that there's so many things that we could bounce around talking about, and and we kind of left it up and said the thing we're not talking about that has been uh, left out of the conversation is God's word, and uh, you chose the book of Daniel. And I thank you for that because it has really been a, an enriching thing for me to be able to to walk through this book again, um, and maybe look at it and in, in through the lens of 2020 and 2021, um, which has been a, a clouded lens. But today we are we're ending the historical account in the book of Daniel, and, and I'm not meaning we're at the end of the book of Daniel. I'm just saying we're ending the the area of of Daniel's tale where um narrative history yeah the narrative history comes to its end and so uh that'll be chapter six uh, that's what we're dealing with so before we we get there um brief disclaimer that that these are our rambling thoughts of course um we mean no disrespect except for the people that we choose to disrespect um and if you uh uh, don't like what we have to say, by all means, you can shut us off. Um, or if you'd like to join the conversation, we would invite you to join the conversation. Uh, you can reach us at uh, castingnetspod at gmail.com if you want to send an email. Um, you can find us at our congregations, um, Mind St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Maribel, Wisconsin, and uh, uh, Don is in Cologne. Uh, Zion and Cologne in the great state of South Dakota, who is standing the weathered storm of all the filth and junk that is being sent our way. Um, and so they're doing a tremendous job statewide uh, with with some good leadership there. But before we uh, begin, we'll have some uh, intro music, and then uh, uh, we're going to get into the topic about talking about Daniel. 
and I and I want to talk a little bit about Daniel today. So here we go. So Don, I was uh, informed not so long ago that um, this particular podcast on Daniel is being used as a backbone for uh, an actual Bible study being used in one of the congregations in the area on their study of Daniel. So um, now I'm kind of nervous that we have to be a little bit more professional in in what we say. Um, I'm not saying it's going to make us more professional in what we say. Thank you. But but I, I, I mean, people are actually listening to us for facts now instead of just opinions. That's scary. <laughs> I know. I'm Bob, I'm Bob McKenzie and you're my brother, Doug. <laughs> well, let's give them some facts of where we are. Um, we are now in the in the book of Daniel, of course, and... Um, we just we just saw last week the fall of Babylon, um, not even a century old, huh? Um, less than a hundred years, possibly in 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 maybe their their domination of of the known world, and um, great great wealthy kingdom. Um, Nebuchadnezzar was a part of it. Uh, Belshazzar was his inept heritage offspring, um, and the the city falls. It's gone. It's it's interesting to note too that here that uh, as the empire fell and uh, the, me, the the Medes and Persians take over, um, one of the first things that happens, and this was just something that in my preparation for this really struck out at me. I don't know if it hit you. Don't even know if it's relevant, but it's just kind of the way that my mind works. Uh, Cyrus and I don't even know if we want to get into later about exactly. Or, or Darius Cyrus, you know, uh, in reality, and really, I'm going to go with the thing that they're one and the same person, just different names. Um, don't even think that's right now is relevant to our to, to my purpose for participating with this with this podcast on Daniel. But that being said, uh, Darius takes over, and then the uh, the, the 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 Jews. The captive Jews are are given the option. You can go home if you want. Um, you have uh, here. We know we have some parallels with the Book of Ezra, and people are sent back, uh, and the Temple arc articles are sent back. This is one thing that that strikes in my mind, and maybe it's just because Daniel is a government official or whatever. Daniel chooses to stay. Or at least Daniel stays. I don't know if he chooses to stay or he stays. I look. I would look at myself, and I look at it from my perspective in that situation. Um, and of course, Daniel has a whole lot better attitude than I do. Okay, I will admit that that his new person of faith is is a little bit stronger than mine at, at that point in time. Um, but the fact that he doesn't take the opportunity to go back home, maybe that's not part of his call as prophet. Um, but I just find that striking that he doesn't jump at the opportunity to go back to Jerusalem. Does it, 
Any thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, um, I was just as you were as you were saying that, you know, I was thinking the first thing that pops into my head is, you know, um, give the guy some slack. He's you know almost approaching his nineties, and um, you know at least at least in his seventies, right? Um, yep. He's old, uh, and I was thinking, you know, eh, that would be a good excuse. Um, but then I I kind of. I kind of go back and, you know, you read the book of Esther and, and Nehemiah and, and you have, you have people of that age who remembered the glory of the temple and how they weep when the temple is rebuilt. Um, and they wept because it wasn't to the same glory that Solomon had once, had once made it, the splendor of the temple. And they remembered that. And it makes me think that, you know, there were people who, um, chose to go back who were older and they, they still went so, so the the question comes up, you know, why why doesn't Daniel, and and you know there could be a ton of a myriad of of options, um, and I think the best option is the same reason why why pastors will stay at a congregation after they receive a call, and I know it sounds weird to equate the two, but that's kind of how I think about it, um. Daniel was given two very good options, two callings, right? And they were both good. Um, one wasn't better than the other. One wasn't uh, worse than the other. Um, they were both good calls. They, he could have gone back with his people to the promised land in which the Lord had promised to give to them and return them to. Or he could stay in the vocation that God had provided for him during that time. And they were both good. And I think that that's a that's a good way, a good perspective on it, is to think about it in vocation and to think about it in calling. Um, he was called to be a prophet, and 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 he was given the gifts of a prophet. But could he have still served in that same area in that same vein with the people in 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 Judah? Yes, he could have. Um, so why did he stay? He stayed because that's what every single called worker wrestles with every time they get a call. What what is better for the kingdom? What where is where is my place in this um at the time? And God will make it work for for the good of his kingdom no matter where you stay because they're both legitimate calls. That's kind of where I I sit on it. I like that. You know uh um looking and seeing uh he definitely had served God's people well um, in in uh, in Babylon. Um, again, used in many key. Uh, and actually, when you look at Nehemiah and Esther, how many of God's people who remained behind were key in the survival and the blessing of His people as well. And, and I and and I would I would refer back to that as well. Um, you know, you always got to be careful that you don't walk into those conversations of, well, Daniel just thought that, you know, he was making a lot of money in his position and that would have been a, you know, he didn't want to give that up. I, I don't, I don't necessarily see that in Daniel. Um, I think Daniel, Daniel at this stage of the game recognizes his place, his, his place in God's kingdom was to be the sounding board for, um, for outreach, really, into this world filled with with heathens, um, and that's a that's a loose translation. 
um, people who were unbelievers, right? Um, he, he really became a sounding board and a witness to them. And, and I think he valued that witness. Um, and, and I think this has, a, has more of a political commentator uh, or a political commentary than, than what we want to give it credit for. I know this is the scriptures, and I know this has a very spiritual um, communication for us, but I think there's also a political one here that, that Daniel understood his gifts, um, and his gifts were in politics. His, his gifts were in, in um, working with the governments that he had been placed into. And, and the fact that Darius saw in Daniel, who had been, actually, we have quite a bit of silent, you know, again, we, don't, we didn't hear much about Daniel. Uh, we haven't heard much from Daniel for a while. Again, politics was his gift. And in the fact, now a new emperor comes in, sees and recognizes from whatever reason, if he had heard, you know, boning up on history or whatever, this man's good. He could have picked from all sorts of from his own countrymen. He chooses Daniel. Pretty much that's allowed, that that is a pretty loud message to an individual to hear um, God's, God's acting through this. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and he knew his gifts and, and, and he knew, well, there were the gifts that God has given to him. Of course he knows the gifts. Um, and, and you brought it up really well. Um, how Darius, he takes over, right? And he, he, he arranges, we're given some background information. He arranges 120 satraps. These are the, the supporters of the realm. And then he places above them three other advisors who, who sort of run these other underlings to keep everything in the government good. Um, Cause let's face it, you know, he's got a, he's got a nation now that's running from Iran to Turkey. That's about the, 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 the area of land going as far down as Egypt. Um, you know, I mean, that's a huge swath of, of land. That's a lot of different peoples, a lot of different cultures, a lot of different things going on. And so he has all these different underlings who are help keeping it all together. And so you, you need somebody who, who knows maybe a little bit about um, how to run it all. And, and here's the amazing thing. And, and, and yeah, I know it, it leads the narrative of, of, of the historical account but we're given this information, and then we're, we're given the fact that, that Daniel is made one of the three. And then we're told how Daniel is just an above-board guy. I mean, he is honest. I mean, he is, he is, he is like, so honest that it, it angers everybody else because he's, I mean, he's not deceitful. He, there's no, there's, I mean, it almost makes, when I was reading that section in the very beginning verses, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know, Daniel wasn't telling the off color joke about Darius. You know, he wasn't ta- he wasn't talking about someone behind their back. I mean, he was just a straight shooter in, in every way he conducted himself that, that when they went and they tried to find something to tag on him, to, to accuse him of something, there was nothing. No one said he told an off-color joke. No one said that he... It is when the only thing that a person can use against you or use to your disadvantage is your is the living of your faith, the living out of your faith. Absolutely. And that, that says something. That I, I mean, I'm not saying that Daniel was perfect and neither are you. But it, but doesn't it say something about your character when the the thing that they can point to is you go to church every Sunday? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, 
I'm not seeing the problem here. And for them, they're looking at and they're saying, okay, the only thing that we can get him on is he prays. He he prays to the non-Persian gods. Um, and he he's not praying to the Medes and the and, and to the gods of the Medes and the Persians. And and that is the only thing they could nail him on. So so now what do they have to do? They're going to have to set up a trap. And and I find this this trap that they set up to be twofold. Because honestly, I think they're actually and and maybe this is what causes the anger of of Darius later on in the tale of Cyrus. Right? Um, they set a trap for him too. I mean, this is not just a trap for Daniel. This is a trap for the king. And, and so what, what's the trap? I, I, I think we need to, to maybe discuss what's the trap and why is it so devious and, and how it ends up working. These men come to, come to the king um, and they tell him, uh, they have, again, using flattery, uh, live long, old king. Uh, uh, you know, we got a great idea here. Why don't you make a law that for 30 days that uh, – no one can pray to any god and any of the gods, uh, you know, except, except, except through you. Um, they weren't forbidding, they weren't forbidding praying, you know, they, again, these, for these people were worshiping multiple gods, but their worship had to come through to this, to, to their god had to come through the king, making him, you know, it's kind of where everybody has to bow the knee and say, okay, our, you, you, the king and your gods are, are all superior to mine. Um, and, uh, and, you know, make it, and, and, and tr- just making out something is, is, is harm, harmless. They knew it was going to get, they knew it was going to get Daniel. They knew it was going to appeal to Darius. Um, it's all kind of a setup. None of these guys are thinking about how this could possibly blow up in their face, but does sinful, does sinful motivation ever think of that? No. And, and, and there's a couple of things I want to talk about here as, as you brought up that, that plot. Um, first, and you, you kind of said it, it's going to, it's going to offend Daniel and it's going to, it's going to lead a little bit to the ego of Cyrus. I guess the first things I want to explore is and let our listeners know that that it might sound odd that a king would gravitate towards this type of uh, decree or proclamation. And, and I think it bears being said that this is not a new occurrence that that um, ancient emperors, ancient kings felt themselves, how would we want to say it, felt themselves divine. Or children of the divine. Yeah, there's a good way of saying it. Maybe children of the divine, and and it's not an unusual thing for them to 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 require worship of themselves. But I like the way that you phrased it. That that the edict isn't necessarily requiring worship of Darius, but worshiping through Darius as a conduit or an intermediary. And I, I want to talk a little bit about that because I think that is so vitally important and vitally important to Christendom today, where where we see here the the really what we're going to see is the outrage of Daniel to think that anybody could stand as an intermediary between him and his God. Um, and and we all and 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 honestly, we only we know the only intermediary between us and God is the Son of God, Jesus Christ, 
who is God himself, right? He is our intermediary. But but I think it says something about Christendom too, because there are, who will remain nameless, some church body out there who who thinks that there is another intermediary as well um, that we can go through, or other intermediaries in general that we can go to. Um, there are other church bodies out there who, or, or other beliefs out there who think that that they can go through another conduit um, and and approach God through that way. And and I think there is there's something that is so vitam, vitally appalling and wrong about that that we should be more more keen to deny and and put down and say this is this is a heresy. We can't indulge in this. Um, just like just like. Daniel does. Daniel looks at this, and and the most appalling thing about it is, you're asking me to. You're asking me to, to pray through this man. To my Lord, when my Lord has said. Just pray to him. Just 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 pray to him, you know. You don't have to go through anybody, um, just pray to him. Uh, and, but in fact, we see Daniel going even a step beyond that. Uh, I'm not saying this is work righteousness. It's not. He's just going a step beyond it. He's following the very prayer of Solomon himself. When anybody faces this temple and prays, listen to them. So what does he do? He faces where the temple would have been, and he prays um, as as he's doing that. You know, it's kind of an that it's kind of an interesting. I find it anyway to be kind of an in, interesting. Um, an interesting event uh, that we see yes. going on here. But, uh, I think it's good for us to clarify that we're not saying that there's a modic, that there's a modern political, so to speak, parallel to that today. No, not political, uh, I, not yet. I, I, think, I think it's important for us to bring that up because I think those were questions that people had in their mind um, during uh, during COVID. Um, and with uh, government suggestions to uh, limit worship or maybe or maybe even uh, close buildings for a while, uh, this is not that that's not something similar. No. And, and and yes, thank you for clarifying that because that is not a similar thing. And that's not what we're talking about at all. What we're talking about is is really the the an edict that is going out by um, well, in, in the ancient world, he would have been the religious leader and the political leader. And he's saying, you have to go through me to get to get to the gods. Now, there is there is a modern day religious and somewhat political parallel to that, which would be a whole other podcast on the papacy. Absolutely. And and we have a doctrine that that says something very similar to that. Um where, where in, in, in the book of Concord, where, where we make that claim according to Scripture, and I think it's correct, um, and it is, a, it is an exposition of what Scripture does say and point to, um, where anybody who makes that claim is an antichrist, um, yes. and where he is now placing himself in the role of Christ, who is the only mediator, because he is God and man for us. Um, so, so Daniel, he goes and he does this, but, but here's the other thing that I think we should probably mention which I find very unique and yet also intriguing to think about, is we have this interesting law code in the Medes and the Persians that is brought up. 
And the law code that's brought up with the Medes and the Persians are this idea that if the king says something in, in decree and writes it down, not just vocalizes it, but writes it down, it is, it is no longer able to be retracted. It, it now is codified as a lasting decree that even the king himself is bound to. I find that to be, and maybe it's just me, but I find that to be very, very interesting in the formations of many political structures, especially of the ancient world. And the reason... I find, I, oh, go on. I, I, I find it maybe intriguing or it catches my attention or it seems to be something strange because it just... It's something that seems to be so counter to postmodernism. Postmodernism, which says that nothing is solid, truth changes. We look at uh, uh, and, and and so forth. It just goes counter. It's countercultural. It's counter to today's culture. But not only is it counter to today's culture, the thing that I find so be so intriguing is it's the backbone of our modern constitution. And, and and hear what I'm saying. The backbone of the modern constitution is it's in writing, we all follow it. It it unless it's in writing and there it is, we you know it's it's sort of up in the air, but it's in writing, we follow it. And and it's 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 really kind of neat where you see you know, Hanarabi's Law Code, which is another fundamental part of, of our Constitution, is really goes back and looks at some of those ancient law codes. Um, but you see these this Law Code of the Medes and the Persians and how they conducted themselves and how it's not just somebody saying something, but it's written down. And when it's written down, it's law. And and therefore, everybody agrees to follow it. With, with Even the king is held accountable to it. And I find that to be... Um, remarkably interesting in 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 the socio-economic, governmentally economic development of the ancient world because that's not like a thing. We don't have that recorded other places. You know, kings could say something and then change their mind, and, and that was okay. Um, but this, you, you don't have that, and, and and it plays into the narrative. And this is what what makes it so so amazing is it plays into the narrative in two ways. It plays into the narrative first in in what's going to happen to Daniel here in, in, in a short time, right? But it also plays into the narrative at the end. And I think that's remarkably interesting in how it plays into that narrative both at the beginning and at the end. So we know the edict, it goes out, he um, he's, he's bamboozled and he's swindled into not really applying and thinking through what this is going to be. So so let's let's we'll, we'll we'll touch base about this this edict thing and this this proclamation thing at the end. So let's let's just continue on. Take it. All Take right. It. Well, so we have um the law goes out and uh Daniel is now uh he he's stuck with the decision. And and this is a first, right? Well, maybe first and third commandment issue um up against a fourth commandment issue. And, and we've said this before on this podcast, it, it bears being said again, that no matter what you do, when you're dealing with the two tables of the law, you're always going to be breaking one of them, right? 
the two tables of the law on the first uh, the first three commandments dealing with our relationship to God and and the second table of the of the law deals with commandments 4 through 10 in our relationship with people and and in no matter what you do you're going to be breaking one table or the other or both and in this case Daniel is given this um rare opportunity maybe not so rare anymore to say I obey God rather than men, right? Um, the the statement that we try to use in our wrongly use in our life to say, well, I am okay because I'm obeying God rather than men, and I can disobey man. Notice, notice also here too that Daniel had 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 a a choice as we kind of flesh this out a little bit. He had a whole bunch of choices here, not only whether to worship or not to worship or whatever. He could have kept on his practice and just done it in secret. He could have. But he chooses not to. I find that's something that is, is significant there, too. Daniel figures out immediately what's going on. And he also realizes that if he goes in, if he goes into secret, he is not giving he is not giving a great example or testimony or giving God glory to his his conspirators. Yeah, do you find that to be? Um, I I found that to be interesting. That you know he could have gone and said, okay, well I'll just I'll just pray in the closet um, when they don't see me, or pray yeah. at night when they're asleep. Um, but he actively chooses to can and and I like how the scriptures say it. He continues to do what he had always done before, and I think there is. Um, there is a steadfastness that we can learn from from Daniel in that um, that that he did not change his practice, he didn't change his witness, he didn't change his his um, he didn't change what his custom was, so that he could protect himself. Um, he he felt that his witness to others in the worship of his Lord was was. Um, worth more than what they could do to him. And, and I think that's a kind of a neat thing to think about, um, especially when, when you know, later on when we, when we deal with the church um, in church history, there's going to be, you know, many controversies over what happens when, when, when tribulation comes, when, when um, uh, martyrdom is being asked of the Christians and, and many Christians fall and then they come back, right? They they maybe worshiped God in secret, but they kind of fell away from the formal church and then they come back. And what happens with them? Um, we had that same thing with, with in the Reformation, right? Um, and, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm using the wrong name, the Gnasio Lutherans, right? The, the ones that didn't didn't get affected by the the peace of Augsburg um, after Luther's death, and and there was this whole upheaval going on, and 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 remember the princes they were thrown back and forth, and whoever rules the land that's the religion, um, and then you had these stalwart Lutherans who were who were up in Poland and and the Gnasios, and they said no, we are we are true Lutheranism, and they had a hard time um, accepting back the Lutherans uh, who who had fallen maybe questioned maybe, and then came back to Lutheranism and they, they were this hard, hard acceptance thing. So there could have been a little bit of that, you know, that could have happened with Daniel. And and yet we see him going actively against that and saying, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. 
I'm not going to change my normal practice. I'm not going to change what I normally do, and I'm not going to change my normal worship. Um, instead, I'm, I'm going to boldly embrace that. And that's kind of neat. Once again, I want to I want to pull this out. I mean, I'm just I'm just in trying to be anticipatory of questions, things that might come up about this, because once again, it's this line of uh, thinking that, again, a lot of people were talking about a year ago when we were looking at and when we went into online worship. There was this. There was this schedule. Should we be doing these things? Should shouldn't we be doing things all the the way that the way we've always done them? Now, one of the things is I want to paint this picture again. While we're studying Daniel, um, and actually as I'm, we're looking for for strength and and guidance and and spiritual help in. Um, in our modern day situation, we are not saying by any stretch of the imagination that Daniel is an exact parallel to what's going on today. It's not. Uh, this is not the same situation. You don't have the same. You don't have the same temptation. All the the, the identical temptations or all the ident identical situations for all of the God's word, all of those things of God's word to come to bear. The you have some similarities. There are differences. We're not trying to make this as to say, okay, here is how we deal with each and every situation. We're not saying that. Um, uh, and so I just want to make that clear. It's not situational ethics, but it's one of those things. Every situation we need, we face, we need to wrestle with, figure out what part of God's word comes to bear on it and not try to make a blanket application for all situations. Right. And I think it also bears being said that that if Daniel, and this is the what if, if Daniel would have said, I'm going to continue to pray pray to my Lord in secret, that's not wrong. That that that's that's not a wrong thing. Um and his choice to and and I mean, don't get it in your head that he had a martyr complex and said, I'm not going to, and and I'm proving a point. That I don't that that I don't get the sense that that was in Daniel's head either. I, I think I think what was in Daniel's head is something that every Christian should realize, and 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 please either ad lib or correct me if I'm wrong. He was he was given he was given a choice between really, really two things, and knowing that I'm going to disobey God's law, either way I go, and which one is, which one to my conscience is worse, or Not, which one which choice gives God the most glory? Well, that would be the other way of saying it, right? To which one gives God the most glory, and that is to obey God rather than men. With the knowledge, and, and he understood this, and this is, this is the part that boggles my mind and is so beautiful. He understood that he broke the law. He, he, he did not obey the fourth commandment. He, he didn't obey the, the government that God had placed over him. Granted, this is the third government he's been through. Which one do you, I mean, that's a whole other, we've talked about that through well, this entire podcast. All, all three governments were less than fair to him. Absolutely. But he still disobeyed it, and he knew that. And and so, I mean, you don't hear him complaining about the consequence. You don't hear him complaining about, oh, well, you know, they set me up. He understood this was a decree, This was this was law, 
I'm going to I'm I'm making the conscious choice to obey God first table of the law because it is more God pleasing. This is the right thing to do, and as a Christian, I am free to do this. As a believer, freed and forgiven by by His God, He was free to engage in that, and He does, knowing that He also has to do. He has there's a consequence for breaking the fourth commandment, the, and in this case, it was a very a very uh, earthly consequence, right? Uh, physical, very visible, and very quick consequence to all of this. Um, and, and so you see what, what goes on. Um, so he prays, right? He prays, and they, they find him. Or actually, they don't find him. They've been looking for him. So they're, they're just waiting. And and they see what goes on. And, and I was reading through this, and uh, starting at verse 13, did you notice that when they go to to bring this response to the king, um, and and maybe maybe you noticed this before? I just noticed this. They give they give one lie and they tell a half truth. You, you kind of notice that. Here's what they say in in verse thirteen. They, they they come to the king and they say, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, does not pay attention to you, your Majesty, or to the decree that. Uh, you signed instead three times each day. He is praying. Uh, he is praying his prayers. So, so he. I mean, yeah. There's other truth in there. He is in exile. That's true. He is praying. That's true. But right there in the middle, he they give a lie, a bold-faced lie, and a half truth. And, and I, I, I kind of. I mean, these are a bunch of swindlers. That's all they are. A bunch of swindlers. They say flat out, he does not pay attention to you. That is a lie. That is a that is a that is a bold face lie. I mean, I don't know how else you can try to try to shape that into something that's that's better. They they just went right up to the king and they completely lie. Saying this that, is an insight. This is an insight into their motivation. Right. Uh, a big part of this, what led to the hatred, was once again, um, was 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 this was this man's. We're told at the beginning his virtue. They saw an honest man and they hated him for it. Right. They, they were, saw a godly man, an honest man, a, a man of integrity, and they hated him for it. They were jealous because he couldn't be bought. Yep. And and so they lie about it because what did what did uh, David or Daniel do? Daniel always paid attention to the things of the king. In fact, he paid so much attention, he was the best at his job because he did pay attention to the affairs of the king. In his, in his job here and the things that he was doing, uh, this is one of the things, and again, he's not perfect. I'm not saying he is. I have I have an appreciation for how he keeps a rein on his, uh, uh, keeps a, a decent rein on his sinful nature. Dealing with, dealing with, with his, with his, political leaders, um, the, the leaders that God has placed over him, and he sees the ineptitude, he sees the idiocy, and he doesn't verbalize it. He gives these people the respect um, that God has that God has has placed on them. Um, and Daniel, for at least we don't, I'm not saying that he never went through this, but we're, it's not recorded for us in Scripture. But the, the fact that he, the, the times maybe where he might have, have verbalized some of this stuff, but, 
but he he gives he gives them the respect even in the fact in, in the during the times when they're clueless right um, and so to say that he pays no attention pays no attention to you no um even even when he's in the lion stand here's here's my personality and I don't want to jump us ahead I don't want to jump us ahead. But you know what? As as when he's in the lion's den and the king comes, there's no sarcasm. I can tell you, I'd be sitting there, rubbing it in the in in the king's nose. Absolutely, and we're gonna and get to does. we're gonna get to that. And but I think the other half truth that comes in, and let, we'll we'll get that in a second. The other half truth comes in um, with the the idea that he does not pay attention to the decree, and and that that's another half truth. He he refused to follow the decree, but that doesn't mean he didn't pay attention to it. He understood what it was and, and he made the actual choice to, to say, I can't do that. And I think that's a different thing. I I think that's a different thing. in even in our society, when, when, you know, the, there are two sides to every coin and it always seems as if Christians are painted as the people that don't care. They're unloving we're painted as the people that don't listen and and are always belligerent. And I don't think that's the case. I, I think Christianity is very loving, um, and, and we're meant to be. And I think we're very community because we're meant to be. We talked about that this morning, um, where where that is that is the very foundation and framework of the Christian church is community is being brought together into this body. And you, re- you do realize you do realize as long as we're on this subject here. That when you look at uh, uh, that this whole thing, calling calling love hate and hate love is actually as satanic as you can get because that is that is actually the the, the heart of Satanism. Absolutely, and that's exactly what we're seeing in Daniel. You're seeing really a very satanic thing. They're they're warping everything. And and we yep. see it today. And that, that was really the point. And you brought it out very good. That that the point is that everything that is truly loving, that we're bringing people together because that is the way God has intended it to be, that we support one another, um, is is the best thing that can be for people. Um, and that's not what, what our society wants. Um, they want us to be divided. Um, that, that we can go down a rabbit hole that we don't need to go down with that one. Um, so we continue on. So so the king is upset because now he figures out, I've been swindled. Um, I, I think he comes to this conclusion now that that he is he has been played. Um, and he uh, uh, he tries to circumvent what's going to happen with Daniel. Um, can't. He he is he is told flat out, um, it's the law, Medes and the Persians. Um, it's been written. It it it's now it has to be enforced, right? It, you have to enforce this, um, and and so uh, un, unbeknownst to us, not the way that we normally do things. Uh, there was no judge, there was no jury, there was no couple of months to sit and stew about it. Um, next day, he's taken, and uh, it, it's going to happen. It, it, he's getting thrown into the lion's den. Do we want to go into the arrangement of how this lion's den could have been or or any of that, or do we just want to roll on with the tail? Let's roll on with the tail. I, I you know, I, I that that's interesting stuff, but I don't really think that that's part of the purpose of our study of, uh, of why we're focusing on on the book of Daniel. But okay, 
Well, um, then the king throws him in there with this one uh, a word of, of uh, hope, I would say. Uh, I, I view it as a word of hope from the king. He says, uh, uh, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. Um, and, and I think that's very telling. I, I think that's telling of, Dave, uh, of Daniel in the, in the way he conducted his, his life. Um, and it also is, is telling about the witness that it, it produced. Um, his God is known. Now, I'm not saying his God is believed in by these other people, but his God is known. And, and Daniel was not shy in sharing who his Lord was and what he is capable of doing. Um, so now he's in the, he's in the lion's den. And, and I know this section is, is, is kind of your favorite. So I'm going to let you take over what happens here because I think, and maybe, maybe I'm, I'm guessing, but I think you want to make a connection that might not always be the most clear in this section. (laughs) Sure. Give me the most difficult part. (laughs) Uh, Daniel's placed in the in the lion's den. Uh, King Darius is just he has a, a sleepless, a restless night. Um, I mean, you know, again, he 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 realized here not only that he's been there's been an injustice done to Daniel, but there's been an injustice done to him. Um, uh, whole g- g- gamut of emotions. Dan, he gets up. He he goes there first light and cries out, you know, and cries out to Daniel, has your Lord saved you? Yes. Daniel says, live long, O king. You know, here's where Daniel shows the respect. Um, I'd be going, um, you know, thanks a lot for using your brains. I'm not, you know, um, and and there's no sarcasm here. He still, he he still shows the king the utmost respect. Um, Yes. uh, And then he says, he says, uh, uh, the, the Lord sent an, an angel to shut the, the mouths of the lions. Uh, didn't even have, he's taken out, didn't even have a scratch on him. Now comes to where I know you want to talk about, uh, Will, the angel. Uh, I've, been, I've been mulling this over in my mind here, too, because uh, uh, of a couple of things. And we're not the only Bible teachers that have, have questioned this. I also happen to notice that probably some of the commentaries I focused on and study for this, actually, I would have expected Professor Jeske to, to, to weigh in on this, and he did not. Not the way I wanted him to. No, no, he did not. He did not weigh. He did, did not. He did not weigh in on this. And the question is, who was this angel? Um, and I'm going to throw out, I, I, I'm going to play some, some, uh, theological exegetical tennis with you and uh, or volleyball or however you want to however you want to want to call it with this is uh was this was this an angel an angel it, you know an angels were we have there are guardian angels said to protect us psalm 90 um psalm 91 speaks so beautifully about this he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways uh, um, was this a guardian angel, or was this possible, possibly something more than that, which we talked about with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego um, when they were thrown into the furnace? There, com- many commentators looked at that as 
as that was just an angel, even though there Daniel describes that for us as one like the son, like the son of God or the son, a son of the gods. Um, here we are given the term Malak, which is angel. Um, the term, usually the term, if you know where, where Pastor Harley and I are, are wrestling this with this, was this a, was that was this an appearance appearance again of Jesus before being born at Christmas? I'm going to tell you where I I probably don't nece don't necessarily lean as heavily towards this as you do, Pastor Harley, for the simple fact that um, we're not given a we're not given a terminology like. Um, we see in Daniel in in the in the chapter with uh, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, and also here it's not a term the angel of the Lord. Here it's just God sent His angel. I'm going to let you take take me where take us where you're leaning here. Well, you know, and and I I will be the first to say that this is this is definitely an open question. Um, and and it, it is it is open for debate. You do not have to agree with myself, and you don't have to agree uh, with with Pastor Winsberger. It's it's okay. Um, I think and and you 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 reference Psalm ninety one where where the Lord will provide His angels to protect, and, and that's a beautiful beautiful verse to to um, kind of give us uh, the connection right um, of of. This could just be a regular angel. I mean, you could go back and and you could do a study of angelology, and you could, I mean, you could reference um, any of the gospels that that reference Jesus in the wilderness and how how Satan himself uses uh, the references to the Psalms. That um, what is it, Psalm twenty two, uh, where the Lord would not allow him to to Psalm eighteen, sorry, uh, crush or or or, or um, harm himself on the stones, right? And they would send his angels to help them lift him up. Um, now let let me just guess here. You're going to focus on the word rescue, aren't you? <laughs> what I'm going to focus on is is the words from Psalm 34, um, verse seven. The angel of the Lord camps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. And, and I'm going to focus a little bit on that. And I'm also want to um, I want to focus just a, a a very brief amount of time on on the words of Lamentations. Um, Lamentations chapter three, and you're looking at verses 22 and, and 23, and and where he says, "By the mercies of the Lord, who are not, uh, by the mercies of the Lord, we are not consumed, uh, for His compassions do not fail; they are are new every morning. Great is Your faithfulness." Um, and I'm I'm referencing that now. Now Lamentations doesn't necessarily give us any insight into say this has to be an angel. This has to be Christ. Yeah, that's true. Um, but here's the opposite side. Um, Jesus has made the appearance in the book once before. He's going to make an appearance in the book again. Why wouldn't he appear now? Um, Which is a good question. And and you and I, we've had this conversation before, and I do agree with you on this. Uh, here we have... The angel, actually, the in an act of rescue, right? And where do we see the? How do we see the angel of the Lord most effectively at work? It's in rescue and deliverance. Absolutely, not just being a. I mean, 
okay, so you do a study of angiology, and and if you do a study of angiology, predominantly you you find out that that the angels that God sends are bearers of messages, predominantly, right? Um, we we do see cases where where Elisha is surrounded and he prays that the the eyes of his servant are 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 opened and he sees the guardians the guardian angels surrounding with 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 swords drawn right, um, we see um, um, Balaam and his talking donkey um, and and you see the angel with the drawn sword standing in the path um, we we see some of those glimpses um, in Ecclesia or in Ezekiel we see you know the 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 cherubim with the the eyes within eyes the all seeing eyes and they're they're pulling the throne of the Lord uh, we see in Isaiah the seraphs and 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 how they're giving this message as they they stand as the messengers and the proclaimers before the throne of God um, we see in in well, in Genesis, just you know, coming, well, coming up this week um, in our lesson from Genesis, we're going to see the the stairway to heaven with the angels ascending and descending. So we we do see that the angels come, and and we're going to see that the angels come and are ministering spirits, and they they do give food and support. They gave that to Elijah, um, and they're going to give it to uh, Jesus. So so we see some of these things, but like you said, whenever there is a rescue involved. Whenever there is an act of the Lord where 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 God will will come at the aid of His people, He seems to to take a very personal and active role in it um, throughout Scripture. We see um, in in the case of Lot uh, when when Abraham is standing over um, and he's looking at at Sodom and Gomorrah and they're going to save Lot. Um, we see the angel of the Lord going there right to rescue. And, and, and how do we know that this is something other than just a regular angel? Well, he makes a comment that says that he can change the parameters of what was, what was dictated without asking God. Can I, can I, and I, I, I agree with you. I'm just going to throw out a, 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 what if, or a, for instance, in, in, you have uh, Peter in the book of Acts who is, is arrested. Okay. What about the angel? That came and delivered him. Yeah, the uh, one who opened you, the doors. You you could you could say this. You could use that same logic with him. Um, but and and uh, and we and we're not going to. And I don't think anybody has said that that angel that that delivered him was, was Christ. And, and I would agree. And and and, and I yes, I would agree with that. Um, but I think coming and and the reason why I read the um, yeah the reason why I read those verses that I read before is is because you have you uh, well in Psalm thirty four verse seven you have the angel of the Lord the, this is this is Christ he camps around us and and that is such uh, that is the language of being in the body of Christ. We are in the sphere of Christ, surrounded by Christ um, as believers. But then I also read the one from Lamentations because there Jeremiah very clearly says it's because of the mercies of God, that that it's it's referencing to God, the the, the Godhead, that we are not consumed. And and and, and I, th- I find it very interesting that they use the word consumed. Because what was going to happen to Daniel? He was going to be consumed. Um. I think there is some connection. I mean, not specific connection in saying, okay, he quoted from, 
But I, but I think wordage just is beautiful in how God uses words to elicit ideas and, and thoughts in our head. Um, yep. Again, open open question. I'm not saying you have to believe me. Yeah. I like I to, you know, you and I, we've had these conversations before and where I've said I tend exegetically, when I look at this, just purely exegetically, just look at the bare text. Um, I tend to lean away from it. However, in the whole book of Daniel, Again, one of the things that we were also so was so well ingrained in our heads and our training to be pastors and teachers and faithful pastors and teachers of God's word, especially when it comes to the Old Testament, is always to look where is Christ in in the text? Where is Christ in the text? And I will grant this that looking at this text of Daniel chapter six where I would say Christ would be most clearly seen is in the deliverance from the angel of the angel. Right. And, 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 and I will also admit, um, pastor Rudat, Dave Rudat, who, who is slowly working, by the way, dear listeners, he's slowly working his way into getting his podcasting legs so he can start joining in our conversations as well. Imagine the day when we have three pastors who like to talk and wane theological will, will, will dominate the airwaves. Um, I know you're excited. Anyway, uh, <laughs> he always says, he goes, he always says, Pastor Harley, he says, you have a propensity to race to the cross. <laughs> <laughs> that's a compliment. I, I take it as a compliment. Um, and, and I'll admit, maybe that's what I'm doing because I, I want to see Christ here to race to the cross, to deliverance, to, to this, is, this is my Savior working on my behalf. Um, you know, I, there's this something beautiful in that and I get it. Um, I, I know God will use his angels and does use his angels to do a myriad of things, not because he has to, but because he chooses to, and he can take part and do anything he wants on his own as he sees fit. But, but like I said, um, if we are going to see Christ in, in, in the fiery furnace, and I think we, we make that claim, and if we see the the Son of Man coming in the clouds later on in Daniel, um, and the Ancient of Days taking his seat, which we're gonna we're gonna talk about those visions, why would Daniel all of a sudden exclude the Son of Man in this pot? I I I, I just I, I, and once again we can have brothers telling us that's an argument from silence, and we always have to be careful yes. of those. It is. It is. It, it, and absolutely, it is an argument of silence because we're not told. And and um, I, I think for our listeners who want to get involved in this conversation, the thing that you should take home is God preserved His people. Yes. <laughs> and 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 actually, that would be again where would if we if we weren't going to find Christ in the angel, we would find Christ working through the angel. Well, and and now I'm going to uh, now what I'm going to do in in this argument is I'm going to drop the the theological bomb on you. Okay? So here's my theological bomb um that that's going to blow your mind and be like, "Wow. Wow, Pastor Harley is amazing." And I wouldn't go that far, but please continue. So so the theological bomb that I'm going to drop on you comes in in the decree that follows at the very end. 
So, so for the listener, we know how it ends, right? Daniel comes out, and all the troublemakers who who did this and their families get thrown in, and they're eaten up. And then there's this decree that that uh, Cyrus gives that is that is really kind of neat. And I want to direct our attention um, specifically to verse 27 of chapter 6 in that decree. He says specifically of God, he rescues and he saves. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. So he saved Daniel from the power of the lions. And I know this is not a theologian. I know he's not a, I mean, this is the decree of an unbeliever. I get it. But it's probably influenced. Many, many accurate prophecies were given in Scripture through unbelievers. Yep. And and I and it probably was influenced by Daniel. But man, what a lot of weight he's giving not to a servant of the Almighty, but to the Almighty. He saves, he rescues, he saved Daniel. I'm not saying again. It's maybe from silence. Maybe it's not as 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 vivid. Look at, look at what look at what Caiaphas, the unbelieving high priest, said. It's better that one man die for the people. Right, and that was a and it was a never truer. No truer words were spoken. Right. Yes, he didn't. He didn't believe. He didn't. He he didn't believe that. The the he didn't. He believed those words in a different way. They were still true words. And 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 coming back to what you say, and coming back to what you were saying is is when it comes to the, the when it comes to the deliverance of God's people, Christ is always in the forefront. Um, and and so how can you not see Christ in He saves and He rescues, or He rescues and He saves? He's delivered. Um, I mean that is there. I mean it comes back down to it. I mean there is just a lot of of if nothing else, Christocentric logic. I'm going to quote uh, sainted Professor John Jeske, um, who uh, I just love. And actually, he's a man who wrote the People's Bible Commentary on Daniel. And, uh, and I'm just once again, it surprises me that, that he doesn't take this tack. I'm not criticizing that. Um, but this is something I learned from Professor Jeske going through Old Testament, going through the Old Testament, Old Testament Hebrew with him. And he always told us this, when you're preaching on an Old Testament text, gentlemen, he said, there's one thing and one alone, thing alone that, that separates you from being a rabbi in the synagogue and a confessional Lutheran preacher in the pulpit. And he says, it's getting to Christ. Absolutely. And, and, and so looking at, I mean, you know, it's interesting to look. I've also looked at it here too. Um, how uh, how when you look at I've looked at how rabbis teach the book of Daniel, and the book of Daniel is all focused in on on Daniel's faithfulness and the connection of God's people with the temple in Jerusalem, which once again, when you look at Jesus being the fulfillment of the temple, actually, you know, whatever. But it, it's kind of funny how close they get, but it's still, it's all away from Christ. It's all to me, 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 and 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 not to Christ, 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 Christ. And that's that's what we get here. Um, uh, it, it, and it's all, it, it's, it, it's, it's, you, you know, what was that book you had me read about, about eight years? 
we've, we've read a lot of books in the last eight I years. It, it, it's, it, 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 it's, it's all Christ or nothing. It's not, that's not the title, but it, it's a. Oh. Well, now you're going to have, I, now I'm going to have to go back in my library and I'm going to have to look and stare at the books and say, which ones were the ones we did for study or it, not. It's, it's a, it's, it's all, it's all Christ or nothing. It's something like that. It's along that order. Um, that's not Christ assumed Christ denied, is it? No, no. I'll have to look. I, we'll I don't try have, to yeah. out that out for our, li- but, uh, our listeners next week. But, but I mean, that, I mean, that is that, that, because we have to remember again, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. All scripture was written to reveal Christ. That, isn't, that isn't Christ at the center, is it? Nope. Okay. But that I but I think, like I said, coming into that decree, you have the I, I think right there you you center down whether you want to say the angel was Christ or not. I think by the decree of this this unbeliever, you see Christ. Um, I mean, you see the work of Christ in spades, and and that's that he's there. Um, and 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 it's a beautiful, beautiful statement, one that the the guy doesn't believe. Cyrus does not believe. It doesn't change his heart. It it, <clears throat> but but it does do something. And and this comes back to my previous comment, where I was amazed at at on how the Medes and the Persians set up their political law system. The the thing that is amazing is because the law was still in place for the next 30 days. For the next 30 days you couldn't pray to anybody other than to uh to to the king. But notice how this decree lays out and and how he starts it off. He says, "May your peace and your prosperity increase." He says, "I give this command throughout my royal dominance, people should continually tremble and be afraid before the God of Daniel." He goes from an ordinance of you cannot pray to anybody other than other than other than the king for the next thirty days, and now he makes a decree and he says, You will continually tremble. This order trumps the previous, and it's now in law. And it's and it's codified. There that to me is is just an awesome statement in the sense of, yeah, you don't have to yeah, he's not believing, he's not he's not giving up his foreign gods for for the one true God. No. But what is he? What is he doing? He's allowing the worship, right? He is allowing the worship of God, um, which is it, an important it, thing. It's something for us to keep in mind too. Where a lot of people like to say, uh, "The United States is a Christian nation." Why do you say that? Well, on the money, it says, "In God we trust." Right. Um, you know what? That can be properly understood, but it, it, it's it's left open for interpretation. It also has Mason symbols on there too. So. Yeah. And uh, um, and once again, Darius has a, a, a wonderful statement. You know, wonderful statement. There, there's a lot of truth in there, but it doesn't mean that he is a follower of the true God. It's just that he recognized his workings. The devil, the devil knows who God is, but that doesn't mean he's saved. Right, right. And and he only accredits he only accredits um, the saving act to to Daniel, right? And to the ones that believe in him. Um, you know, there's, there is something to be said about that. You know, that's, that's Daniel six, I think in a nutshell. Um, 
I mean, you could go in depth maybe a little bit more um, if you really want to study it a little bit more, by all means. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of interested in getting into um, talking about the visions. Now, the visions are going to be interesting, brother, um, because there's a lot of, of side trails we can get down. So I, I think the kind of the way to approach it is to, to approach it in groups, maybe do the next two chapters and uh and try to sum them up and say here are the visions as best we understand and and uh can try to sort of work our way through the rest of the book of Daniel um I'm dealing with some really really hard Hebrew and some really difficult concepts when we start looking at vision prophecies yep and dear listeners one of the things that we're going to want to that that pastor Harley and I are going to want to do uh and uh it, because it can be such a t- t- temptation in sections of scripture like this that uh, you want to call them apocalyptic, whatever, is let clear scripture explain difficult scripture. Um, it, can, it, it, you know what? One of the problems in Christianity today is is a penchant to take a look at sections like scripture of scripture like this and and do and do a drag race down the rabbit hole with it. And nothing good can ever come with that. It never does. Um, because it ends leading people away from Christ. It ends up taking people to, 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 to teachings, uh, to, to doctrines that, uh, that uh, uh, you, you really have to do a lot of doctrinal exegetical gymnastics to, to make it fit. Um, that's not our purpose. Um, it will be it'll be interesting it'll be a challenge it'll be a good spiritual exercise for you and I maybe even an encouragement to our people to our who are listening dear listeners talk to your pastors and request that uh, maybe one of the next Bible studies that come up is on the book of Daniel because it is so I would want to say pertinent and with that we invite you to continue the conversation next week <laughs>